Welcome back to the Faculty Factory Podcast. I'm Kim Skorupski, and today we're talking with Dr. Dave Usum, my friend and colleague here at Hopkins. Dr. Dave Usum is our Associate Dean for Professional Development, former Section Director of Neuroradiology, and the Vice Chairman of Program Development. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing well, Kim. How are you? I am great. I'm so happy that you are with us again and imparting all your wisdom. You said you wanted to do time management, and you, of course, are known for being like the most efficient person I know, and everybody knows that you um, don't waste time. How in the world do you manage it, and how did you get interested in time management? Well, I think that time management is uh, critically important, and it goes along with my interest in Stephen Covey's Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, you know, the third habit after um, being proactive and beginning with the end in mind is put first things first. I think that that's a very important thing that people need to learn how to do in order to be efficient and get things accomplished in their life. They have to have their mission and then they have to prioritize. So putting first things first obviously is prioritization. From my own standpoint, I'm very focused. In fact, uh, I have a sort of um, one of my mottos is that I do very few things very well. So it's it's kind of a little bit of a play on words. You know, most people think that's insulting that, you know, you do very few things very well. (laughs) But, But what I like to think about is that I do very few things, but I do them very well because I devote you know, and a lot of time to them. So in my own life, um, you know, working with faculty is critically important to me and, and creating and making sure I have time for that. Obviously, my career in neuroradiology, and here's something that you probably don't know about me, Kim. I'm a very knowledgeable individual about Impressionist art. So I took several courses in college. I, whenever I go to a new city, I always look up their, the art museum that has Impressionist art. So I'm very focused. I know if you ask me about Renaissance art or Baroque art or abstract or, you know, not so much, but I can tell you a lot about Impressionist art. So I think that, you know, my ability to take, to devote the time I have and focus it on those things that are most important to me is one of the talents of, of my time management uh, philosophy. Love it. So the exact opposite of a jack-of-all-trades, a master of none, or something like that, You know, somebody who does a lot of things med- with a certain amount of mediocrity but um, doesn't have that expertise. A jack-of-all... Jack how does that saying go? The jack-of-all... Jack- the- Traits. Jack of all trades. Yeah, I I think that that is not a uh, necessarily a successful philosophy for academia. I, I think that you know if you're writing papers about you know geriatric depression, and then you're writing a paper about you know juvenile schizophrenia, and you're writing a paper about um, you know MRI findings in manic depressive yeah. disorder. It, the field of psychiatry, you're not, you don't get known for, yeah. So whereas if you devote and focus on a particular topic, then, uh, and use your time management skills to focus on that area that is your, um, your expertise, I think that gets you more notoriety in, 
in academia. And for better or for worse, at most institutions, the coin of the realm for promotion is, are you nationally recognized or internationally recognized, or are you a leader in the field? Now, it comes from, obviously, publications as well as grantsmanship, etc. But in the end, most of the time, the criteria is, is this a, a national leader that um, is recognized in order to get uh, for the promotion? And you're, you get recognized more readily if you have a focus that you are the go-to, you're the world's expert on this particular topic. Right. So time management is you know, saying no to a lot of the extraneous projects in order to devote it to that area where you're going to be the world's expert. And that lines perfectly with what you told us about mission statements. Yes. I mean, it, it relates to, you know, it, the area that you are focused most and that you care passionately about, um, you then do, as Covey said, you, you devote time to it. Now, the way that devote time to it is, in his opinion, and I think is true, is to actually block out time on your calendar to do it. So this is sort of the time management matrix where the mission critical things that you're doing may not be, you know, time intensive as far as, you know, um, as far as urgent, Mm -hmm. but it's very important. So that urgent, but not, I mean, that important, but not necessarily urgent realm is the so-called, you know, time management matrix quadrant two time. And unfortunately, we end up filling our calendars a lot of times with urgent but not important things or not urgent and not important things. Right. So I recommend to my junior faculty when I do time management seminars, I ask people, take out your cell phone and let's make a recurring two-hour block of time in your calendar each week that you will devote to your mission-centric projects. Mm -hmm. And do not alter it. You know, make it a recurring theme. If you can do it, you know, a couple times a week, all the better. But do not go a week without putting effort and energy into those projects that are mission-centric. I love our, our colleague, Rachel Levine, who is our Associate Dean for Faculty Development Education. She schedules every work, every week, a block of time, and she calls it deep thinking. And I remember yeah. somebody said, well, what do you do? And she's like, I think deeply. So she literally schedules thinking time. And I'm like, that is awesome. Who thinks anymore? You ha- just sit and think. It's just amazing. It's worth amazing, but it's also worthwhile. It, it really allows you the time to think about where am I on this, you know, long standing mission and where, what is the next step? And let's, let's, let's block some time to accomplish it as opposed to filling your calendar with running errands here and there that are uh, critical to your mission. Or worse yet, not putting anything in your calendar and being reactive or responsive to, you know, patients and things that are imposed on your schedule, your calendar, and then the work that you wanted to do never even makes it onto the calendar. So that gets to like what, tell tell everybody what we uh, hear a lot about complaints from faculty about wasted time. Sure, sure. So when I do the time management seminar, I always send out a survey in advance in order to get a sense from the faculty what 
what's wasting their time? What do they feel? How are they spending their time that they feel is not effective or efficient or mission-centric, as we use the term? And um, Kim, you know, for the first five years that I did the seminar, um, email was always number one. People have issues with, you know, just the amount, the onslaught of email that they get and having to sit down and spend, you know, an hour or two at the computer just answering emails. Um, This last year was interesting because it was the first year that surfing the web was surpassed email, which I, I thought was interesting. I don't know whether it's related to, you know, the various international issues that are going on or politics or whatnot, but people are now are now having a difficulty stopping themselves from surfing from wow. surfing the web. That is interesting. So, um, you know, the, the, the suggestions I make for email are a lot more concrete and effective than my suggestions for how do you prevent someone from, you know, going on their computer and getting uh-huh. lost and surfing, you yeah. know, different topics. It's, it's kind of funny. But anyway, so I have some, some of the solutions. And, you know, with the email... Um, I have certain filters on my email. So any email that has the word unsubscribe in it mm. automatically goes to my junk box. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it it has eliminated a lot of the useless emails that I get. I also have an email filter that anything other than English uh, language emails goes to my junk box. Um, anything that has... And I hate to admit this, I'm, I'm sure I'm going to insult some people out there, but anything that has open access journal yeah. um, goes to my junk box. You Because know, I just get inundated with peop- with open access journals asking me to write an uh, article for them. Right. So I go and look in the, at my junk box at the you know end of the day to see whether there's anything of value that's in there. But that has eliminated, I'd say, 90% of the worthless emails. And you know when I get emails, they're usually things that are of, of import. Yeah. With respect to the... Uh, did well, you want to add something to that? Another thing I like, I, I, I always, um, when I get these I that I don't like, I unsubscribe. So I, simple as learning how to right-click on those emails and unsubscribing and finding the unsubscribe linked, that's helped me a lot, get rid of junk that after a while, they'll stop coming to you. So I do that. Yeah, I always worry that, you know, if you go to the site, then they have your email and they're like, oh, all right, this is an active email address. And so I'm, I'm maybe I'm a little paranoid about that. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, if, if it's reliably does unsubscribe you, or the better. The other, oh, I'm sorry, I meant, I meant like right, right clicking. If you right click, at least on Outlook, it says um, block sender. That's what I was thinking of. So not okay. only unsubscribe, but yeah, you right click and it'll say block any emails from the sender. The, you know, that people get around it by sending from different locations, but I block a lot of things and that's cut down too. Yeah. So with me, hopefully, it, I don't even see it because it just goes to the junk mail and I don't even have to address, uh, right. address it. Right. Um, but the other, the other thing about email, and, and this, this is, uh, I think they have a, there's like a book on this, is um, decide whether you're going to do, delete, defer, or delegate. And that's really been helpful to me. So mm. um, when I get an email, I, Usually we'll do that sort of two to five minute rule. If I can get, you know, if I can answer the email and get a response out in two to five minutes and it doesn't require uh, a lot of effort immediately, then I do it. Um, those things that require thing thought process and a little bit more 
attention that I may or may not have at the time, I will send that to a folder that I create, which is requires further attention. So that's my sort of defer. Yes. And then if I see something that, oh, this is a, um, you know, request for documents, that's a good delegate one to my administrative assistant or assistant or your, your, your uh, medical office coordinator could handle it, you know, probably more efficiently than you. Mm-hmm. And then there are those that you just immediately delete. So those are a couple of quick tips about email. Love it. From the standpoint of surfing the web, um, I did at one point experiment with some of the programs that give you a certain time limit on a particular site. So you don't get lost in that site and spending a half an hour. It is like, I think it's called Guardian is one yeah. of them, where it will allow you on those sites that you are susceptible to spending a lot of time, it will you know give you a little timer and at 10 minutes, you know, it shuts you down for the day. Yeah. Now there are ways overriding it, but... Um, but that's really, I, I think of that really as self-control. Mm-hmm. From my standpoint, I try to, you know, not be surfing the web on any official computer, office computer. That you know, if I'm going to surf the web, I, that's something that's on my personal computer. And so that physical separation, where all right, th- this this computer that I'm looking at right now is my office computer. It is a Johns Hopkins computer. They could be looking at what I'm doing and, you know, what, what time I'm spending on any website. That's a good sort of philosophy of, you know, I'm not going to be spending time, you know, surf, um, you know, buying Wayfair, uh, right. you know, furniture for any amount of time. But really, yeah, that's self-control, I think. Mm-hmm. So, you know, or you just say, look, I have a rule. I'm, I don't do surfing on my office computer, but you know, when I get home on my laptop, that's okay. That's a hard one. Uh, do you have any suggestions of your own? Yeah, the the, the complaints about that that time waster stuff is, and it, I guess it does come to what you're saying, accountability, you know, from my the WAG concept, the writing accountability groups. There's something even like you could try in enforcing, creating boundaries around, I only check emails from 6 a.m. to 7 a.m., check and respond 6 a.m. to 7 a.m. noon and say 7 to 8 at night and then adhering to those boundaries so that if you set something in your signature file, you know, I don't reply to emails on Fridays or I only check and respond to emails during their certain times that you adhere to that and then you are training people how to treat you and you're establishing boundaries for yourself and just having a structure or a schedule. Just my, like what you're saying, I, I'm a very high J in the Myers-Briggs, so I like agenda, a schedule, a timeline. I'm very much list driven. And so that works for me in terms of having a schedule. I'm, I'm, you know, chained to my calendar. Oh, what am I doing? And the next half hour, my calendar tells me exactly what I'm doing. And I do that. So that's what works for me because of just the way my personality is. I like the structure. So it's, it's not hard for me um, to set time limits on things. And I think it is important to have a break, you know, that for whatever, 12 to 12, 15, get up, walk around. Because as we all know, it's so easy if you have the luxury or the curse of sitting in your office all day. I don't see patients. I'm not a clinician. uh, That you can literally sit at your desk for 10 hours. And so it is important to schedule that, oh, I'm supposed to get up and walk around and, you know, talk to other human beings. Uh, That's (laughs) important. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Or even if you're in that, that profession that you're just sitting on your butt all day, like me, you know, in radiology where, 
you know, we are not, you know, at the front lines and we are just looking at the computer, unfortunately, all day long. So uh, it is important to get up and get physical, so to speak. Um, so the other thing, you know, after email and, and surfing the web, the other time management issues that people complain about are excessive meetings and um, some of the bureaucracy of all the modules that we have to complete yeah, for yeah. You know, IR compliance your, stuff. Yeah. Right. Right. So, you know, the meetings piece, uh, you know, there's lots of books written about conducting meetings as well as, you know, how to streamline meetings. I think, you know, having an agenda, having voting on at meetings is important. Uh, what I tend to tell people is that if you, if the meeting is purely informational, then and you don't need the people's attendance, then it should be probably summarized in either a Zoom video or an I dare say it an email, yeah. <laughs> uh, rather than meeting, rather than right. holding a meeting. Right. When I was division chief, I held meetings to get people's input on an issue or to vote on an issue or to make a decision, not to tell them that. You know, the hours that in the outpatient center are changing from 8 to 10 to 8 to, you know, 11 p.m. That, you know, those type of things, you shouldn't waste people's time on at a meeting. Right. So those are some quick tips on meetings. And who said meetings have to be an hour long anyway? That's another thing that drives me nuts. Right. It was always my goal when I went to a meeting with my chairperson um, that I would always try to get in and out before the out hour or half hour was up, that, that my goal was to give them free time yeah. <laughs> so that way they can go surf the web, right? <laughs> That's a great gift to give somebody time, right? Right, right. So, um, yeah, the, the bureaucracy stuff, I think that people are getting a little bit better about, you know, not having to go to uh, live courses for some of the requirements of EPIC or IRBs or research or FDA, et cetera, but doing it online at their leisure actually is a, is a, in part a solution. So, you know, it, it's sort of six of one and a half dozen of the other. Yeah. All right. So I know you've got great time management tips and uh, I think you should share them with everybody because they're pretty good. And then I definitely want to fight with you and scrap a little bit about um, your philosophy on multitasking. <laughs> sure, all right. Well, let me give you, you know, the, the, all of the Dave Usum seminars have like top tens or top fives or, you know, top seven and a half. <laughs> so the, the top five, I would say, for time management that I try to impart on the, with the people, at, you know, after I've dealt with their issues of, you know, here's some email strategies, here's some uh, surfing strategy, meeting strategies, et cetera. Then I try to impart to them what are the, the top five, you know, thoughts that I have about time management. So number one is, you know, going back to the Covey philosophy of put first things first, and that is schedule your non-urgent but highly important project time on your calendar. Don't, don't expect that you're going to have time to do it. Actually put time on your calendar where you're blocking and you tell your administrative assistant, you know, no, I'm not taking appointments during this time. This is my mission-centric time where I'm going to be working on my uh, career goals and, and mission goals. Uh, number two is uh, so-called uh, the five Ps, right? Proper planning prevents poor performance. Mm. So when I have an academic day for Wednesday, I don't show up 
on Wednesday and then start thinking about how I'm going to spend it. Tuesday or Tuesday night, I'm you know, planning it out in advance so that way this precious day off, I can spend it doing those critical things that are so important to my my mission. So I, I liken this, Kim, to the, the surgical utensils, the surgical appliances that they use. When, when a surgeon goes to do a hip replacement, you know, they open the pack for the hip replacement and all the saws or <laughs> this shows how little I know about hip replacement, all the, uh, the saws and the screws and the uh, augers and the um, packs are all in there as he enters the operating room. So it's all laid out in advance. And, and I think that sometimes people just sort of plop down and say, oh, thank God I've got a day off. What am, let's see what I should do. Right, As right. opposed to proper planning in advance um, to, to know, you know how you're going to plot your day out to get the most out of it. Because when we do have that free time, you know, it's like I ask people at the time management seminars, how many of you feel like you've got plenty of free time and you just, you know, no problem, you Absorb another project, no problem. You know, and everyone is like totally maxed out and stressed out. Not totally, but you know, within reason. Um, so, uh, when you do get that free time, uh, planning in advance, I think is important. Number three is something that uh, you and I alluded to, and that is a useful use of the short blocks of time. So, um, 15 minutes or more blocks of time. You shouldn't be wasting, you know, just answering email or just, you know, surfing the web. When you have those 15 to 30 minute blocks of time, if you waste those twice a day, that's an hour of time that you've kind of not utilized well. Mm -hmm. And so um, having a a plan for even short blocks of time, can you, you know, in your WAGs, the amount of time that people are actually writing it is relatively short. It's it's right. it's like thirty minutes of writing time, I believe. Right. Am I You're correct? Right. You're right. So when you have a half an hour, if you think, oh, I can't do anything in a half an hour, you know, that's not enough time for me to start working on my paper. You got to get out of that mindset. It's those fifteen to thirty minute blocks that can be so useful if you're good at getting into the mission-centric work. Mm -hmm. And so this gets to the what, what you and I sometimes will refer to as having muscle memory for writing. Right. So if you're writing consistently many times a week, if you have 15 to 20 minutes free, yeah, you could write a few paragraphs on that paper, grant, chapter, mm -hmm. etc. You right. don't look at it as, I can't do anything in this amount of time. I, it takes me two hours to get into my project. Am I, am I right? Is that, you're exactly you know, right. We talk about that all the time in WAGs, that you, it becomes automatic and mechanical, and that just falls back to your proper planning. If you have 15 minutes, yeah, it takes me 15 minutes to find your paper on what device you saved it on. That kind of you know demonstrates that you've got a couple opportunities to improve your system or your process. But 10 minutes, you can surely copy means and standard deviations from your SAS output to table two. You could certainly throw in and beef up your references. You can certainly, you know, start get into Excel and start noodling around with the bar chart. So that kind of retraining our thinking about um, expanding our definition of writing. Writing's not only the words and paragraphs and papers, but it's all those other elements. Then all of a sudden you rethink your thinking about writing. Yeah, 10 minutes. Oh, I can 
you know, work on references or footnotes or a table or a chart or an abstract, and then you're in and out and you're developing that muscle memory, as you called it, and the automatic, mechanical, I'm doing what my calendar tells me to do, I'm in, I'm out, and you're not freaking out about it because you're going to be right back at it tomorrow or the next chunk of time that's in your calendar. Yeah, that, that's my main point is I think that um, unsuccessful faculty, as far as time management, are the ones that are wasting the 15 to 30 minute blocks, you know, that, that they could be getting so much out of their day if they didn't say, ah, you know, it's only half an hour. I'm just going to, you know, go to the cafeteria. Yeah. The old fashioned, they think they need a half a day or a big chunk of time to get something done. Yeah. You're never going to get that ever. (laughs) The number. So, uh, so put first things first, proper planning, preventing poor performance, utilize 15 minute blocks or more. And then um, knowing when to outsource or to delegate work well. I, you know, fortunately, I guess, you know, I never really learned biostatistics. So when I come to my project and or grant and I have to make a submission, I know that there's someone else who could do these statistics, you know, in an hour, whereas it would take me six hours of, you know, scratching my head and wondering whether I did it right. So... I think that this this idea of delegating or outsourcing or collaborating, right? So Kim and I have worked on papers together. I know Kim is very good at certain aspects of uh, writing a paper. I might be better at a, a different aspect of writing a paper. You know, find that person that is your complementer mm-hmm. and um, work with that person and outsource. And, and you know, you, so you get more people on the same paper. It's, it's awesome. Very I think. efficient. And yeah. Yeah. So that's that's another important time management skill. And then uh, number five is you know don't be very don't be so harsh on yourself. You know too often I think that you know you you expect that you're going to give you know the A plus product each time. And sometimes in time management because of constraints that you have or overlapping projects, um, you do a B plus and you. You know, don't feel good about yourself. Now, we all have, you know, certain quality values, but in, in certain projects, it's okay to do B plus and let someone else do A. Uh, clearly the mission centric ones and, and the ones that are, you know, of critical value to you, you want to put up the AA plus effort. But I think too often we, you know, we're a little bit harsh when we do as good as we can for that particular project, even if it's not necessarily the the A project. So I, you know, my my motto is it's a marathon, not a sprint. Sometimes, you know, in that 18th mile of the marathon, you're doing a 10-minute mile and your goal was, you know, averaging nine minutes. That's okay. You know, the marathon, you might still average nine minutes if you did a lot of eight-minute miles beforehand. Right. And I think that's just so common in academic medicine where we have so many perfectionists and so many of us think that everything has to be our A game. And then um, we we just thwart our progress because we're everything we think has to be perfect A. And that's what you said is just so right, learning how to, um, you know, calibrate and recalibrate effort that on maybe letters of reference or certain 
form things or modules. You don't have to get the 100% on that regulatory compliance thing as long as you get the pass. I, I had a hard time with that. I would keep retaking the test until I got 100%. Then I finally realized, Kim, what are you doing? You know, there are certain things that really demand your A game. This is not one of those things. Get it done. So you stop getting the, the you know, flaming emails threatening to kill me. Right. Get her done. I like it. Because I read the cable guy. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, all right. Let's finish up with this t- multitasking. What say you, sir, about multitasking? So, um, you know, the multitasking has gotten a bad rap, if you ask me, um, because um, I think that the scientists, the, the, real, the real science says that you were not so good at multitasking. And um, my wife likes to say that I, I'm good at switching from task to task rather than multitasking. The the concept that I try to do with the multitasking, and, and maybe I can get you to, to agree with me on this, Kim, is, um, you know, you and I are like spending time in the, at the gym and, and being on the treadmill or the bike or whatever it may be. I don't think there's an issue with me listening to my American Journal of Neuroradiology podcast as I'm also exercising. Or if I'm on the... Um, re- you know, the recumbent bike, I usually put up my journal and will read a couple journal articles as I'm doing the recumbent bike. Not, you know, the different domains, one's physical, one's intellectual, etc. And I use the, the concept of multitasking, Kim, when I talk to people about when they go to a meeting, can they also get a two-for-one in arranging a lecture at the local university or academic center at the same time that they're going to their society meeting. So if you're, if you're in Los Angeles for the uh, American Geriatric Psychiatry meeting, why not call your colleague at UCLA and say, hey, I'm going to be in. Can I give a Grand Rounds talk at the same time? So this is where my concept of multitasking, that I'm trying to get two lines on my CV and trying to increase my national notoriety at the same time that I'm attending the meeting and, and giving my my abstract. So those are the well, I'm not you know those are the the types of examples of multitasking that I would yeah. offer to the yeah. You will listener. never get an argument from me on, on that. Um, in fact, I did take your advice. It's funny. I went to St. Thomas Virgin Island last November with my friend who's got a timeshare there and. A couple months before, I said, I wonder if they have a university there. And sure enough, they do. And I said, hey, I'm coming there for vacation. Want me to give you give a talk? And they're like, really? That's weird. So I did. But it, it was fun. Yeah. But So yeah, you're not going to get an argument about that, those kinds of activities. I'm talking about, and you're exactly right, there's epidemiologic data now showing that we are not good with task switching because it just distracts us from our, our as you always put it, mission centrism. So I, I get... A, driven to distraction when I see moms and dads and dog moms and dog dads at the dog park and they're playing with a dog or playing with their kids, but they're not, they're on their cell phone and the dogs are going running wild. The kids are running wild and because they can't even be like in the moment. So I'm talking about when I say time management, we talk in wags is when you're writing, you're writing, you turn off the phone, you turn off the computer, you turn off the pager, whatever it is you're doing, because we're Pavlovian about it. Nobody out there will ever um, deny that when they hear the phone vibrate or buzz or a ding or this ring, that we are just like quick like a bunny. Oh, let me go look real quick, real quick. I'm going to look real quick. It's Pavlov's dog. We are trained to go look at that. So I always tell people, let's have some accountability here. Be honest. Who in the room says they can easily ignore that stuff? Of course you can't. So that's why I, 
I always say when you're writing, when you're in the wag, when you say I've got 15 minutes, I'm going to hit this 15 minutes hard, do that 15 minutes. Don't try to assemble that abstract or that paragraph or analyze those data or put that bar chart or figure together while you're answering an email, talking to a colleague, shouting out to your program coordinator to get this and that, writing a note to yourself to stop at the way home at the drugstore and pick this, that, or the other, and, you know, all, and, and eating half a sandwich. That kind of multitasking time uh, is what makes me nuts because then you're, you're forgetting things. You're not sending the email. I thought I sent that email. Oh, no, you wrote it. You just never sent it. I thought I had a sandwich. No, you put it in the dry, in the file folder next to the, in the cabinet. Um, that is what I completely, uh, I'm, I'm a, against this splitting our attention, which then makes us have that kind of high, high anxiety and never really doing anything very well. As is typical, we, we, we come to agreement, Kim. I, I agree with you completely. And I hope you don't mind that I'm, that I'm bouncing on my resistible as I'm answering this, uh, this phone call. <laughs> I thought you were saying I'm eating a sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> Well, this is great time management. You've been learning from Dr. Dave Yusa, my friend and colleague and our most popular uh, faculty development person in our team, Dr. Dave Yusum, Associate Dean for Professional Development here at Hopkins. Till the next time, we'll see you on Faculty, faculty Factory Podcast, everybody. Bye, Dave. Bye, Kim. Thanks for tuning in to Faculty Factory Podcast. The mission of the Faculty Factory is to build and support a community of leaders in faculty development who share tools, resources, wisdom, and encouragement in service to our faculty members, schools, and institutions. We encourage you to go to facultyfactory.org to find out more, get in touch with me, ask me any questions. Maybe you want to be interviewed on the podcast. Thanks for tuning in to Faculty Factory Podcast. We'll see you next time. The Faculty Factory podcast and website is sponsored by the Johns Hopkins University School of Medicine Office of Faculty. For more information, visit facultyfactory.org.